0: It's a team sport. You don't need to have all the answers yourself, right? So there's always going to be a tension between having enough information to take action and taking on too much risk, right? So you've got to weigh that that balance for yourself, but it's a team sport. I don't know everything about note investing. I don't know everything about real estate investing, but I know where to go
1: or people to talk to find those answers. What's going on, guys? This is the Passive Wealth Strategy Show, the show that will help you escape the Wall Street casino and build wealth on Main Street by investing in real estate. Today our guest is Jamie Bateman from Labrador Lending, and today we're talking about note investing. We're talking about how note investors earn a return that is higher than what the average prevailing interest rate on mortgages are. We talk about the three parts of a note investing business and so much more, how he and his business partner scaled their note investing business, what's coming down the road, and a lot more in there as well. So if you're interested in note investing, that is becoming the bank, investing in debt, then this is the one to listen to. I'm your host, Taylor Lote. I'm a real estate investor and I help busy people passively invest in commercial real estate, specifically in apartment building and self-storage syndications. If you're interested in learning more and would like to potentially invest with us on a future deal, just go to investwithtaylor.com, fill out the form, schedule a call with me, and I will look forward to speaking with you then. If you're an Apple Podcast user and you enjoy the show, please take a moment and leave us a rating and review on Apple Podcasts. Five stars if you don't mind, guys. I appreciate that so, so much. That helps other people learn about the show because that helps us rank higher in the Apple Podcast ecosystem. And I'm always honest with you guys, that gives me a nice little warm and fuzzy feeling because I get to see that you're engaging with the content and you're escaping the Wall Street casino along with us. If you know anyone who could use a little bit more passive wealth in their lives, please share the show with them and bring them into the tribe. Don't forget to subscribe and catch us here every Monday, Tuesday, and Thursday. Right now, our guest is Jamie Bateman from Labrador Lending, and we're talking about note investing and various aspects of that world. Without any further ado, here we go. Jamie, thank you for joining us today. Absolutely. Thanks for having me, Taylor. I really appreciate it. We've had a great conversation so far. turns out it's a small world. Your dad lives right next to the high school where (laughs) I went to school at (laughs) and right near my parents. parents. Really funny, tiny world. For our listeners out there who don't know about you, your background, your note investing experience, and all that, can you tell us about what you do and what you invest in? Absolutely. So I'll skip the the
0: childhood years and uh, <laughs>
1: went to school at uh,
0: Gettysburg College. I didn't tell you that. And then um, reason I bring that up is I played lacrosse there. It was you know I was so consumed with athletics that it, frankly I didn't really have a grand plan as far as what am I going to do when I get out. So tried a couple different things, did some coaching of lacrosse. Well, I found myself at a title company for my first real job had no idea what a title company was, what title insurance was, realized how little I knew about mortgages and real estate in general, even though my aforementioned dad has been a realtor for decades and had been for quite some time at that point. So you just don't learn a lot about real estate and title and things like that in in school, typically. Later, I joined the military and did some other things. I ended up working for the Department of Defense. I went part-time with them in 2015 and that was largely due to kind of the commute and the the life that a lot of people can probably relate to as far as the nine to five sitting at a desk all day working in a cubicle you know come home got your family and i don't mean to complain about my family but you know it's groundhog day and it's just like okay there's got to be more to life than this i mean that's really so there were several years like that, where I wasn't, I was just kind of punching the clock. And then around 2014-ish, I discovered bigger pockets, the podcast, and then the forums. And it may have been before that, but was really using my commute time to listen to podcasts and learn about real estate. And and podcasts like yours are obviously very valuable for people, and they've only grown since then. But started to look around and say, what What are my strengths? Right? What are you know? What instead of saying, oh, you know. My life sucks. <laughs> what can I do about this? How can I take ownership of my situation? So realized that hey, I actually did I did work at a title company and I also worked at a mortgage broker after that. My my father's a realtor, my brother is a loan officer, started realizing I, I kind of have a team in place already. My wife had also worked for a title company. So it started to shift my mindset. And that's really what kind of was the impetus to get into single family rentals and notes like i'm in now so i can absolutely go into a lot more detail but let me know if you
1: if anything comes to mind as far as question. Absolutely. Well, you know, we've talked about notes on the show in the past and, you know, uh, folks can refer to to previous episodes about that, but at a very very high level, can you just give us a, a very high level overview yep. for the folks who might not know so we can all get sure. up to speed here.
0: Yeah, and it does, you know, it's not something a lot of people even if you're familiar with real estate investing you may not have ever heard of mortgage note investing. And we buy mortgage notes. So there are lots of types of note investing. So the most basic level, a note is a promise to pay. I mean, it's typically a piece of paper that says, I promise to pay you back X dollars over X time at this rate. You know, So that's the note, right? It's an IOU. Well, most of your listeners are familiar with what a, a mortgage is, right? Right. So the note is the promise to pay, and the mortgage itself, the document, is actually a security instrument that collateralizes that note. So it, it ties the note to the property. In our case, so higher level, more basic answer: I become the bank, I become the lender. So you know, if you Taylor have a mortgage on your on your house, you know that's own. Say the lender is Chase. I could actually buy that mortgage. You know, typically those aren't the mortgages we're dealing in ourselves, but I can buy that mortgage as an example. And now you are the borrower, and I am the lender, and you owe me that money. I take over the receiving those payments. So you can get into all types of mortgage note investing. You can invest in first lien, which we do. You can invest in second lien mortgage notes, more of the HELOCs and other types of loans, and or some other niches are performing versus non-performing. You know, we buy performing and non-performing first lien mortgage notes, and we become the lender in those situations, and we buy them all across the country. So I think the biggest, for those unfamiliar, the the best way to think about it is you become the bank. I don't originate any loans. I buy pre-existing mortgage notes, and I become the lender on those mortgages.
1: I love it. And, you know, I've seen others, I've spoken with others who have had success in the note space it sounds like a a great way to get started if folks are interested in going that direction but you know on the flip side of that yep. it also seems like it's to get started can require a larger amount of capital or at least if you want to get going a lot of those bigger banks will only sell their notes off in very large Package deals, yep. whereas you know, busy professional wanting to get started isn't going to have millions upon millions to, no. to get going. So, how did you get started in sure. that space? Do that first. So, thing? we'd been
0: doing rentals and rehabs and for for several years prior to that. So, I did have some real estate background and, like I mentioned, the the title and and mortgage background. So, I wasn't entirely unfamiliar with residential real estate investing. And I say that because there are some people I think jumping into the note space that probably shouldn't yet for various reasons. How I got started was I again bigger pockets as well. I started following the forums and and reading and just started networking. It's a very inefficient space. It's, you know, just like real estate can be, it's very relationship-based. You've got to kind of roll up your sleeves and, and decide that you're gonna learn. So I read books, I listened to podcasts, I read the forums, I Started interacting with with other node investors, joined Facebook groups, started asking questions. And then my first deal was in early 2018, about four years ago. So I've been in the note space about four years now. And Chris Seventy and I, he was on your show last year.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: He and I did a joint venture together. That was my first deal. And he, you know, I was the quote unquote money partner. He was the more active day-to-day manager of this deal. I later did some more passive note investments along the way in 2018, and then by I'll say January 2019, I was ready to felt like I'd learned enough to really actively start buying notes, you know, into my own portfolio. You're absolutely right. It you know it can be, it's touted as a passive you know mailbox money and that kind of thing by some of the gurus out there. It can be just like anything, and re- like as you're very familiar with syndications and real estate, those can be mm-hmm. passive and they can be active depending on what what hat you're wearing. Right? Same thing with notes. I mean, am I ever going to be physically swinging a hammer or, or doing anything you know physically demanding with notes? Probably not. But is it passive for me currently? No, not at all. <laughs> There's a lot <laughs> of moving parts, and so that's a whole you know discussion in and of itself. But I started ratcheting things up and I started buying my own using my own money to buy notes and yes, you're absolutely right it can be more capital intensive to get in than because you're not able to, to use leverage to buy notes. You can't walk into a bank and say, hey, I want to borrow 100 grand and go buy this this mortgage note like you can for a rental property or primary residence or you know hard real estate investments. So that is a downside. it is does normally require more capital upfront. And I always recommend you put your own money at risk first, <laughs> you know, but mm-hmm. like any other investment or asset class or investment strategy, you're gonna run out of your own money typically, right? If you're not, then I maybe you, sh- you don't need to be investing in notes if you have that much money. So the way I look at things, and this is true for real estate as well, so I'm sure it's not a, a brand new concept for you, but the way I look at my business now, it's has three parts to it. One is finding notes which has been increasingly more challenging. And another, the second is finding capital to buy those notes. And the third piece, which is critical, is managing those assets, asset management. Those are the three parts of my business. So since 2019, I've scaled considerably. We've I've done partials. It's, that's another way to, to get access to capital to buy notes. I've done joint ventures myself. Chris and I have since opened a mortgage note fund. that So we raised passive investor capital. And we go out and buy non-performing notes mostly. And I'm about to launch a second fund here shortly. And so, yeah, there are passive ways to invest in notes. We've got a blog post on my website that goes through in a lot of detail and I'm not plugging it. It's free, but there's a ton of detail on there in this one, one blog post about how passive note investors can work with active note investors. And it's a spectrum. It's not black and white. There are many ways, like we were talking before we hit record, many ways to skin the cat and many ways to approach note investing, just like there are in real estate investing.
1: As a concept, I like notes. I think it's one of those strategies that's kind of hidden from the mainstream. When people think about real estate investing, they know about go buy a single family or go flip a house, but they don't know about the rest of the world that's out there for real estate investors, and in this case, becoming the bank and investing in notes, and so those three parts of a note business, your note business: finding new deals, finding new capital to do those deals, and then obviously managing the deals that you already have. Exactly. How did you decide to break it down into those three aspects? I think I stole business? that. Um, <laughs> no, <laughs> I
0: want to say honestly, I'm joking, but I'm I'm not because you know with that comment because that was something that really gave me comfort getting into real estate and notes was that i don't have to reinvent the wheel i can learn from others this has been done before non-performing note investing hasn't been around you know for all that long but note investing seller finance note investing and different i mean you know mortgage notes have been around for a real long time, right? So there are others that have done it before me is my point. And I, I can learn from them. I think I saw Dave Van Horn or someone on the Bigger Pockets forum mention, break it down that way. I don't know if it was him, but I'll give him credit because I like him. And I've learned that's just how it is. So you don't have to take other people's capital, but you're not going to scale you know, very far in my opinion. And so everything I do really and my small team does fits into one of those three buckets. But yeah, I mean... Like we've talked about mortgage notes, several things I like about mortgage notes, obviously I like them or else I wouldn't be in this space, but you can do it from anywhere. You really can. That's one of the things that gurus you know, like to sell that I actually do believe. If I have an internet connection and a laptop and a phone, I can be a note investor. doesn't matter. And I know a successful note investor, she travels around in her RV. She doesn't even have a, a hard residence. I think I know who you're yeah, talking about. Liz, I just went to the DME event last week in Florida that she put on, which was great. You can do that. I mean, you absolutely can. And then there's collateral. The hard real estate is is the collateral. So your show, I know, focuses largely on getting away from Wall Street. You know, stocks have no collateral. They could absolutely tank tomorrow. So that's one another thing that I like about it. It's backed by hard real estate that I understand and I can see, or touch and feel, you know. And then you're not dealing with When you're comparing notes to rental properties, for example, you're not dealing with tenants, toilets, and trash. Now you can get into land contracts and we buy those as well. And that's a whole separate beast in note investing. And that's a little less passive. And you are dealing with a little more more of the property itself in that case. So note investing really does work synergistically with hard real estate investing, in my opinion. It's just another facet It is a niche for sure. Like you said, most people are not familiar with it. You might hear about it and then you don't actually talk to anyone who does it. So a bunch of people have left the space because deal flow has been challenging. Just like hard real estate deal flow has been challenging lately. And I do expect that to open up here in the next six to 12 months. I don't like to predict things. I don't have a crystal ball, but (laughs) that has been the biggest, I would say for most note investors in the last year that's been the biggest challenge is finding deals. There's money out there. There's a lot of capital still on the sidelines. That part hasn't been quite as challenging, but finding the assets themselves has been the, my biggest challenge in the last couple of years. I just answered a bunch of questions you
1: hadn't asked yet. So I'll stop. <laughs> <laughs> no, there are a lot of really good answers in there. And I think the one I want to follow up on the most is you, know, you don't like to make predictions. I think that's responsible. I don't look, really like to make predictions either, but we all have thoughts about the future. We we'll have to think about these things as investors. You sure. said you expect an improvement in the market, so to speak, in the next six to 12 months. Yeah, Why?
0: So I just went to two different note events, mortgage note events in Florida, which was great to be able to see people in person and network. And a lot of the discussion was the expected uptick in non-performing notes in the next, a lot of people think fourth quarter of this year, but it could be later than that. No one knows. I mean, there are definitely a lot of delinquencies on the books of banks higher than there were previously. So when the pandemic hit, a lot of things just came to a halt, especially with regard to foreclosure and eviction moratoria. Also, there were mandated forbearance agreements on certain types of loans. So in a lot of ways, we could still, we use that time to kind of tighten up our processes and, and work on the, the deals. We were still buying, but we were kind of paying more attention to our portfolio, kind of tightening things up. And there's been a pretty good standstill in the last year or two doesn't mean there hasn't been activity in the note space, but what will happen is these banks will sell off toxic assets. They will sell off non-performing loans because they can only have so many non-performing loans on their books. And that gets to fractional lending and things you probably know more about than I do. But you know they only can have so many, let's say just say 10%, I'm making the number up, but 10% of non-performing loans or toxic assets on their books if they want to be able to lend out know continue to lend as much money as they do which is how banks make money well it's one way so the banks will sell off non-performing loans and they'll trickle down to large hedge funds down to smaller hedge funds eventually they'll make their way down to us you know i don't call up chase and ask for a one-off loan that's not realistic so what will happen is eventually we get what's called a tape or a pool of loans to look through could be five notes on it it could be 500 and then we'll kind of sort through what are we interested in. Short answer. a lot of the higher level guys that are you know more plugged into market conditions and that's what they do all day long is is study these conditions and factors. They think something's you know the node space is going to open up probably fourth quarter of this year. Again, I don't know if you'd ask me, I've been wrong many times as far as the timing of things and, <laughs> you know market real estate prices and things like that so who knows but we do expect an uptick in non-performing notes here in the next one you know 6 to 12 months and you know that's good for our business we can get into reasons why people sell notes and <laughs> performing versus non-performing whatever you want to talk about
1: so it sounds like it has more to do with the kind of ending of COVID restrictions, not just on the general population, but also on the banking system, more to do with that than the general rising interest rates across the board that we're seeing now. That may be a factor, but from what you're saying, it sounds like it's not really the primary concern. No, exactly. Exactly. I think it's
0: just been kind of pent up, you know, things that have been on the books that may even look for a while, look like they were performing because they were deferments, deferrals that had taken place but people weren't actually making their payments also the end of the stimulus right and that's been I mean the the stimulus money that went out as well as unemployment payments I think have come down considerably so both existing toxic assets existing non-performing loans that were kind of still on banks books and hedge funds books at the time during the pandemic as well as some of these performing loans that made it through the you know, where the borrowers were paying through the pandemic, because that they were kind of being propped up a little bit, those are likely going to become non-performing and
1: become available to people in my space as well here shortly. Okay. So as it stands, you know, even with interest rates going up, they're still at, you know, all-time relative all-time lows and and the rates are Frankly, much less than I would like to make on any investment that I make, as at sure. the interest rate sure. yep. is. and I'm sure your your investors are probably the same. So the question then becomes: How does a note investor create an attractive yep. return? Great. You know, more attractive than just a straight up mortgage rate, which is fairly low. Absolutely, no, that's a very good
0: question. The answer, the primary answer, is. We're buying at a discount. Okay. So, you know, I've referred to performing and non-performing already. The quick analogy is performing note is like a a buy and hold rental property, right? And so there's not a ton of room there to add value and to the asset itself, but you can still make a 12% yield on a note that has a 4%. I I don't buy 4% notes, but let's let's say a, a note that has a coupon rate of. Seven percent. Just making this up. When I say coupon rate, I mean the note, the interest rate on the note is seven percent. If I buy that at a steep enough discount, well, my projected yield goes up. So as I pay less for that note, then my return goes up. So I'm not paying if it's a hundred thousand dollar note, I'm not paying a hundred thousand dollars for that note. So that's on a performing note. So the bank or whoever you're buying from, the note seller will sell that at a discount because money now is worth more than money in the future. And there's always the risk that it doesn't stay performing. I mean, you're pricing that risk into your purchase price. So let's say I can buy a $100,000 note with a $100,000 principal balance. Let's say I can buy that for $80,000. Well, that just means my return is going to be higher than the interest rate on the note. Now, that's like a buy and hold rental that you're buying at a discount, but you're really just kind of buying that for cash flow for the most part. A non-performing note is a whole different animal. And that's where it gets a little more active. That's more like a fix and flip. Or in the syndication world, where you're buying a property, you're adding value to either the property itself or the way the property is run, which is oftentimes the case. And you're increasing value to that property, right? So you're either in the note, in the case of non-performing notes, I'm either exiting through the borrower or through the property. A quick example through the borrower would be a loan modification, right? So I'll give you a quick, and I've done a, a bunch of these and we continue to do them quick hypothetical is I buy a hundred thousand dollar non-performing loan for $60,000. This is non-performing, right? Mm-hmm. There are a bunch of arrears. So the borrower's payoff is actually higher than a hundred thousand I may be able to modify this loan, create value by raising the principal balance, and it gets a little little bit more in the weeds than we probably want to go. But I can actually create a modification where the principal balance is now $110,000. If I get that borrower repaying for 8 to 10 to 12 months, I can actually sell that for, let's say, $90,000. So something I bought for $60,000, I could sell for $90,000. Sounds great. Doesn't work every time. The borrower, you know, it's like parenting. I don't know what I can't control everything my kids do. So I hope to go that route. It's normally, you know, more profitable to work through the borrower and work something out. But unfortunately, a lot of times that doesn't work and we end up having to take the property. And so if you're exiting through the property, there are different ways you can go. It can be a deed in lieu, it can be actual foreclosure. And so if you're exiting through the property, you're gonna end up with that property and then sell the property. So just to back up a non-performing loan, non-performing note is more like a fix and flip on an actual property. It normally takes longer than a fix and flip, not as long as you know, maybe a syndication all the way through exit. You can project two to about two years for a non-performing loan. Could be two months, it could be five years. But there's a clear exit point on a non-performing loan where with a performing loan, they just keep paying. You just keep collecting. You know, We buy performing loans to keep, keep the lights on. And because it's a business, I'm running a business. I have people who work for me. And so I, I do like performing loans. It's a stable, boring yield. But in times of uncertainty, like right now, it's not the worst asset class to be invested in.
1: Absolutely. Okay. So definitely gets pretty complicated, but there are ways to force value add and create value and, and all of that. And before we go to the Kind of end of the show. I want to touch at least on now. This is obviously prefaces this, that this is not, none of this is advice, investment advice or otherwise, but I want to touch on the tax aspect of it. Sure. I understand that the interest payments, I believe, are treated as ordinary income That's if correct. you buy them on your own, whereas the value add, if you do the non performing and <laughs> get it performing, sell it off, is that treated as a capital gain normally? So, great long-term? question. I end up saying it depends all the time
0: in this space. Mm-hmm talk to your CPA. In my case, I run a business. It's all treated as ordinary income. Okay. I have definitely come across people who say that that's a capital gain, maybe if it's a one-off, but I would defer to CPAs there. In general, there are no tax advantages to investing in mortgage notes. That said, a great way to go is use a self-directed IRA or some other self-directed tax-advantaged account, whether that's tax-deferred or tax-free growth. And I do that myself. I buy performing notes and partials in a self-directed Roth IRA that I have and takes care of the tax issue, at least as best you can, right? So (laughs) I don't buy hard real estate in in that type of account because you're kind of shooting yourself in the foot. In my opinion, you're potentially missing out on some of the depreciation and other tax advantages that are built into the tax code for real estate investing that are not built into the tax code for note investing. There's always a way to figure it out, but no,
1: short answer is it's ordinary income. Good to know. Okay. Okay. Glad I asked. Right now, we're going to take a quick break for our sponsor. All right, Jamie, I've got three questions I ask every guest on the show. Are you ready? Let's do it. Great. First one, what is the best investment you ever made other than in your education? I'm going to have to say
0: it was a non-performing note that was in Jacksonville, Florida, that turned into a long-term rental that we still hold today you know, I've got uh, more information in our ebook and on our website about the particulars. We did a deed in lieu, got this people out of a bad situation, bad living conditions. So we did not foreclose on this bar. We did a rehab on this property from a distance. I've never been to Jacksonville, Florida, and we still (laughs) hold this as a rental in our portfolio now. So Numbers wise, we actually, we'd already pulled out all of the capital we had into it. And then we just a few months ago did a cash out refi because Florida properties are, I mean, off the charts right now in general, Mm -hmm. property values. So I've gotten way more than I had into it back out. And the property still cash flows as a rental.
1: Awesome. Nice. Yeah. Well, we had the best investment. Now we go to the other side of that coin, the worst investment. What is the worst investment you ever made? So I did some online
0: crowdfunding passive investing a few years ago and some of this is still playing out but i was impatient and didn't do enough research on the operators and i have since certainly learned that that's a critical piece you know i don't necessarily have anything against crowdfunding in and of itself but i did some investing through realty shares and you can pick (laughs) didn't they go out of business or something a few of those have gone you are correct sir But I saw your expression, sorry. (laughs) (laughs) And I can't even pick, there were a few investments that I, I mean, the one nice thing about that type of investing is you can sprinkle your, you know, you can invest varying amounts across numerous different investments. So I had several investments that went really poorly and some are still lingering, but the takeaway was that I just, I didn't do enough
1: research on the operators themselves Absolutely, I think my concern, my biggest concern with a lot of those platforms, is that they kind of drive the investor or they themselves prioritize the deal over the operator or the team. And the operator team being such a big key, that I think the passive investors that go with on those platforms would oftentimes be better served by focusing more on the team, hundred percent, operator, hundred percent, and the deal. And you know, why
0: are those operators on that platform? I mean you know, I'm not saying all operators on those platforms are bad operators, but, you know, a lot of really good operators don't need to go that route because they have such a built-in, you know, such a reputation for delivering on their promises over the years. First of all, they don't need to inflate the, (laughs) you know, the projected returns, which is you can put anything on a piece of paper, right? Mm -hmm. So, you know, maybe
1: second guess the operator, if they can't, Raise capital outside of those platforms. It's hard to say. I would say I probably agree with that on the whole. But on the other side of that, I do know operators who I personally passively invest with and plan to continue in the future who have raised capital through a few of those platforms. I'm obviously, not mentioning names right, here, right. but they get all the capital they need. I think they just went with that platform sure. as a you know, branding type of thing. I'm not really sure, yeah. but they do a good job. So there's, there's kind of...
0: No, I've had... And wow. I have had some good experiences, especially with some other platforms. So just like everything in this space, do your research. Mm. Regardless of whether it's online crowdfunding or not, the operator is more important than the deal. I mean, it really is. You know, I can promise all kinds of things to you, but if you don't research me as a note fund <laughs> manager... You know, (laughs) what's it worth? What's it worth? You really should research me first. I'm, you know, because I'm the one that's managing the day to day in that case. So I can go buy whatever notes I want. And, you know, you don't really have, you're you're giving up control as a passive investor, giving up some of that control. Well, you better speak to others who've invested through these operators and do your research. A hundred percent.
1: My favorite question here at the end of the show is what is the most important lesson you've learned in business and investing? I'd say, you know, I think it's
0: a team sport. You don't need to have all the answers yourself, right? So there's always going to be a tension between having enough information to take action and taking on too much risk, right? So you've got to weigh that that balance for yourself, but it's a team sport. I don't know everything about note investing. I don't know everything about real estate investing, but I know where to go or people to talk to find those answers And so I have people I work with, whether it's service or third-party vendors like servicers or attorneys or actual business partners, people who work on my team, you know, they all know things I don't know. So look to other people that you can trust. And it's a relationship business. It's a team sport. You don't have to do it all yourself, but it's well worth it if you can find those quality team members that you trust. And it can be, you know, successful, uh, Real estate and notes can be
1: successful if you go about it that way. Love it. Well, Jamie, thank you for joining us today. It's been a great conversation. If anybody out there wants to get in touch with you, if they want to track you down, if they want to learn more, anything like that, where can they find
0: you? Absolutely. So labradorlending.com. It's L-A-B-R-A-D-O-R lending.com. My email address is BatemanJames at labradorlending.com little bit of a mouthful. And that's probably the best place. If you're looking for a mortgage loan servicer, bifils.com. It's b-i-f-i-l-s.com. But one-stop shop is labradorlending.com. I really appreciate you uh, having me on, Taylor. This has been a lot of fun. And yeah, I can
1: talk about notes and real estate all day. So thanks a lot. I really appreciate it. (laughs) Well my great pleasure's been uh, fun's been all on this end so funny to see also the the small world that we live in and and all of that but I uh, want to thank everybody out there for tuning in if you're enjoying the show please leave us a rating and review on Apple podcast five stars if you don't mind you guys I appreciate that so, so much. That helps other people learn about the show because that helps us rank higher in the Apple podcast ecosystem. And I'm always honest with you guys. That gives me a nice little warm and fuzzy feeling because I get to see that you're engaging with the content and you're escaping the Wall Street Casino along with us. Don't forget to subscribe and catch us here every Monday, Tuesday, and Thursday. Right now, I hope you have a great rest of your day and we'll talk to you on the next one. Bye-bye.